from the plastic microphone studios deep in the heart of Cajun country. This is Fave Five from Fans. I'm your host, Jamie Ray, and this is episode 117. Today, I've invited Mitch Lang to the plastic microphone studios via Zoom to discuss our five favorite wrestlers from the 90s. Mitch is the co-writer, director, and star of the Bogman movie, uh, which as of right now, you can stream it on the Green Apple U, I'm sorry, Green Apple Go YouTube page. You can also stream it on the Green Apple Go app. But by the time you hear this episode, it should be on Tubi and Amazon. Mm -hmm. He's the morning editor at KTVE and a front man of the Mitch Lang band, which that's what a coincidence that they would have a band with your name. It was, it was like, it was meant to be kismet. It's kismet. (laughs) Mitch was also the showrunner for rednecks for hire about a group of rednecks from the swamps of Louisiana who do all the dirty work. No one wants to Mitch. Welcome. Welcome to the show, sir. Hey man, how you doing? I'm happy to be here. All right. So the topic for this came from when Mitch and I were sitting across from each other at the Lake Charles Film Festival uh, in 2023. Yep. Mitch had brought bought the Bogman <laughs> to the festival. And uh, well, first, before we get into all that, tell us a little bit about the Bogman, what that is, and uh, some of the other things that you do. Well, you know, The Bogman, uh, it is my uh, third movie, but it is the first movie that I ever made that uh, got picked up for distribution and that uh, that whole fun ride. Um, it is a, a, a fun Bigfoot movie about a family that moves to a Bigfoot tourism town because they inherited a farm. And once they get there, they find out that the Bigfoot's more than legend. And then they have a whole cast of crazy characters that keep showing up and dying. Oh, and where is this? Uh, Up in Louisiana, Arkansas? Well, it's a fictional town. Uh, The fictional town is called Mountain Bend, Arkansas. Um, It's supposed to be up in Washington County up there, up in the... uh, the northwestern corner of Arkansas, which is where the uh, the Bigfoot trail, the Bigfoot migration trails that believers uh, talk about and research, that was where that that trail kind of ends, you know, up there near the Falk, Arkansas area, which we all remember from the legend of Boggy Creek. Mm-hmm. But uh, so I wanted the the town to be you know, Arkansas around that area, but I didn't want to have any future lawsuits on my hands. (laughs) So we just made up a town that sounded like it was from Arkansas. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, setting it up there, that's the perfect place to do it. That's where they have the festival every year, right? 
Yeah, and we actually just went to that uh, last weekend or weekend before last. Uh, Mr. Keith Crabtree, the gentleman who played the Bigfoot in The Legend of Boggy Creek, invited us down there, and they showed the Bogman all three nights, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a little bit of a bummer because the rain kind of hampered everything, but there still were a lot of people that were very enthused and very excited to uh, just experience any and all things Bigfoot. And we brought our Bigfoot with us. Uh, he dressed up and took pictures, which was a lot oh, of fun. Sweet. That sounds like that sound like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I got to go camping outside with my eight year old son, which was his first time camping. So like it was just a, it was a really awesome weekend. That's awesome. And so, like I was saying, by this time, because this is this will be uh, late February, early March, um, we should be able to find it on Tubi and on Amazon. By um, now, it should also be on uh, Pluto TV, and you should also be able to go order uh, physical DVD and Blu-ray copies off of Target and Walmart by now, if this is February or March when we're talking. That is awesome. Well, that's I love the physical media, so that's where I'll be getting my copy for sure. Awesome. And uh, if this is February or March that we're talking, then we will have officially filmed the first, uh, I guess, um, two thirds of Sea of Madness by now. Oh, is, tell us about that. Well, Sea of Madness is the sequel to Bogman. Um, it's not so much a Bigfoot sequel, but it's a character sequel. The characters from the Bogman uh the documentary crew and the cryptozoologist, they're trying to find money for a new show. And uh, they go to a millionaire's yacht party and the yacht sinks. They get adrift in the ocean a couple of days and come across a World War II battleship in the ocean. They climb on board and find out that it was a uh, military research vessel where they were studying this black bacterium from the bottom of the ocean and it has gotten loose and has started transforming the crew into evil dead mermaids. Oh, wow. Cool. That sounds awesome, man. Yeah, we're uh, we're going to be filming on the USS Kid down in Baton, Baton Rouge. Rouge. Yes, sir. Yes, those people there at that museum have been just so accommodating and so helpful. And they pretty much got this as long as you don't do anything to mess up the ship, man. Whatever y'all want, you know. I have heard that about them. They, uh, you know, they have Cub Scout overnight um, yep. uh, campouts there. They, you know, there's been several movies that have been filmed in there too. So Greyhound with Tom Hanks being there one you of go. them. Exactly. I, I, I actually, I watched that movie because, you know, whenever you get on the ship, you know, I remember growing up, I used to go to the USS Alabama all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, especially if you went to Orlando to go to Disney world or universal studios, we always stopped by, you know, that ship, you know? Yeah. So when I was so used to that ship, you know, and whenever we were looking at other options, uh, because that ship was just, it cost way too much. It, yeah. it was, it was like five times the amount of what we ended up paying for the USS kid. But so we were looking at other options. I was looking at the kid and, you know, it's significantly smaller than the USS Alabama. And I'm in like the wheelhouse and all these different rooms. And I'm thinking to myself, like, OK, like, all right, I know we can put the actors there, but we still got lights. We still got cameras. We still got sound. 
and the guy, (laughs) yeah. And the, the guy was like, go watch the Greyhound, give you some ideas. And I'm watching the Greyhound and I'm still just as confused. Like you have six actors in this shot. (laughs) I was in this room. Where did you put them? Wow. So it's, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. Well, that's what's important, right? Yeah. Have fun with it for sure. We're uh we're problem solving filmmakers. Uh, a lot of our, as far as like directors go, um, there are a lot of directors that they have like their vision and and this is what they see and mm-hmm. and I have my vision and uh I, I am not that kind of a director. Like yeah, I have a vision, but I also know that whenever you show up on set and you go to actually do it, things change and, yeah. and instead of arguing and fighting to get the one thing that you might not even be able to get just ask the person next to you okay so we can't do that what do you suggest we do instead and and let your team help you you know like don't don't fight it let the creative process from other people like fuel this you know well that's cool because you know as i mean there are big name directors who've been doing it for a long long time and you know they have like you said their their method their way to do it but you know, at this level, you just want to kind of understand, you know, that there are other people out there who have ways of doing different things and, you know, maybe theirs is a good way to do it. So that's, that's cool that you keep it open. I'm a, I'm not ashamed to say, yep, my idea was bad. Let's go with yours. Let's move on <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Well, so when we came up with this idea, I showed you a list and then you said, well, what about wrestlers? And, you know, my interest was definitely peaked. So I've got to ask you, why wrestlers from the 90s specifically? Well, because historically and uh, objectively and numbers and money wise and storytelling wise, can you think of a better decade that wrestling was hotter and made more money and everybody was into it? And even if you thought it was fake, if you didn't believe it, you still tuned in to watch every freaking Monday night, baby. You didn't miss yeah. it. Yeah. It's- now I will say the seventies had an awesome experience, but it's definitely nowhere near the money, the theater, the, you know, the whole show that it had in the nineties. I mean, like, you know, nowadays, you know, I, 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 we were talking before this, I checked out of wrestling, uh, into that between 2001 and 2003. And, you know, so I don't really keep up with a lot of the people that are there are nowadays, but if I remember back in the day in the nineties, you couldn't go anywhere without seeing a DX shirt or an NWO mm-hmm. or a 316 shirt. Like, nowadays like you might bump into somebody every now and again with like a kevin owen shirt or a roman rain shirt or whatever but like back in the day you could not go anywhere without some reminder that wrestling is huge right now it's the pantheon thing and like the storytelling was really good that's uh that's another thing why like people ask me why i like wrestling Mm-hmm. And I, I like wrestling because, you know, no matter how you look at it, work, shoot, what have you, these people are telling stories. Yes. They're 
storytellers. They're entertaining you. And I am a storytelling junkie. Like I I'm obsessed with storytelling. That's if I, when people tell me, Oh, do you find yourself more of a filmmaker or a musician? I'm like, I am a storyteller first and foremost, because you can tell stories, movies, music and writing plays and even wrestling. Right, 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 right. Well, well, cool. That's, that's great, man. I, like I said, uh, I was watching, I was going to, um, what was it? Friday was it Friday Night Raw? Um, um anyway, Monday, Monday Night Raw. Right. They yeah. would come to uh to Lafayette, so I remember going at least once, if not twice, to see it live. You were and talking it was about the, definitely experience. You were talking about the seventies earlier. Uh, uh-huh. my, my hometown of Monroe in the seventies, there was wrestling. It seemed like every week. Like I, I, I listen yeah. to. Chip- Cornette's podcast every week and he talks about how he used to come through Monroe at the Civic Center all the time mm-hmm. and they're like especially my hometown does have a very rich wrestling history yeah so growing up here you know your parents always thought oh I went to go see Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw, Hacksaw Jim-, Jim Dugan yeah <laughs> yeah man those were the dudes those were the dudes but but there's a lot of great wrestlers um, this was the age I kind of think where they started to to really look at them as both entertainers and athletes, mm-hmm. and yep. so there are some some really great names that that have come out of this names that we still talk about today. Um, so I'm going to be very interested to see how our lists cross over because I'm going to tell you right away, mine are all very top level. Um, I don't, I don't go into, a, I don't go into any of the duos or the, the groups or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but, uh, some of mine actually maybe even started in the eighties, but they were in the nineties. So therefore, you know, I, 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 chose it counts. yeah, yeah, exactly. It counts. So, uh, so I was telling you that we could go ahead and make f- your five favorite wrestlers, but that you could also have some honorable mentions. So yeah. we talked, you have some honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel like you're ready, I know I'm ready. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and just start naming them all for us. All right. Uh, do you want me to, uh, do you want me to say who they are and then give like a, a simple, like sentence or two as to why they're on the list or just name them all off? No. Yeah. Go, as each one comes up, tell us why they're on the list, why they're your favorite. Uh, talk as much about them as you want. All right, well, coming in, I guess, would be at number 10 is uh, you're going to notice a pattern with my honorable mentions. Most of my honorable mentions are ECW uh, wrestlers. Okay. Um, You know, everybody knows WWF, WWE, whatever you want to remember it by. It was WWF in the 90s. Uh, You know, everybody knows WCW. But uh, ECW was that third brand that was the very niche, like hardcore wrestlers, you know, whenever that was kind of like the grunge underground of wrestling, you know, Okay. and they all wrestled for ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling out of Philadelphia. And so uh, coming in, number 10 has got to be New Jack. Okay. I don't know. Uh, New Jack was one of those wrestlers that constantly blurred the lines between 
what wrestlers call a work and a shoot. Um, if you came in with respect for the business and came in with respect to him and showed that respect, uh, he worked with you just fine and there was no issues. And he was, you know, he was a crazier, but he at least was, you know, would be professional. But uh -huh. if you went into that locker room and were disrespectful or talked to him any kind of way or made the business feel stupid or like made fun of, he would hurt you out there, like legitimately cut people, legitimately like break stuff. Like he would hurt wow. you. And okay. uh, like he, he threw like this one guy. And another thing too, if you weren't safe with him, he wouldn't be safe with you. There was this gentleman that uh, drug him off of a scaffolding and landed on his head and uh, blinded him in one eye and gave him migraines the rest of his life and blurred vision and all that stuff. And wow. the guy never once like called him or tried to reach out to apologize or anything like that. That's so true. whenever they so whenever they had a scaffolding match a few years later, he legitimately legitimately tagged him with a uh, taser and then threw him off the roof trying to make him miss the ring. Wow. And you know, as Jim Cornette said, by the luck of fools, the guy survived. <laughs> wow, that's tight, man. That's geez. Okay, new Jack. Got him. All right. What's your next honorable mention? Uh next honorable mention is going to be uh Sabu. He was uh another one of those hardcore wrestlers that took the 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 job very seriously. He was the nephew of the Sheik, the original Sheik. Oh, okay. And, and uh, they would go to, they went to Japan together, and he did one barbed wire rope ring match. And then he said, the next thing I know, they're just booking me every week with these. And I finally walked up to the promoter. I'm like, man, why do you keep booking me in these barbed wire matches? I'm getting ripped to shreds out here. He's like, <laughs> oh, no, man, you love them. You're doing so great. I was like, I'm doing great at them because I'm a professional. I don't want to do them. Yeah. But uh, he was somebody that never got, like, I think his full credit and due, but mainly because he didn't play politic games in the business. And wrestling is a politic game. And if you don't play it to some extent, you do fall by the wayside. And I think yeah. Sabu was a perfect example of that. Wow. Sabu. That's not that again. You're pulling stuff out. I, I yeah. I'm Sabu could have he had the talent to be a household name had anybody important saw his talent. Uh-huh. Wow. All right. Well, come on, give us another one. All righty, uh, we got another one, uh, another ECW, uh, Rob Van Dam, and I think a lot more people might recognize yep. Rob Van Dam. Uh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, he ended up wrestling for WWE for a lot of years, and now he's a Hall of Famer and everything at this point. Um, he was another high flyer with tremendous agility, like. He could do the Van Dam, you know, his name was Rob Van Dam. He looks like, you know, Jean-Claude Van Dam. And he oh. did he did the Jean-Claude Van Dam like complete splits over the ropes type thing and would do that to do like backflips and stuff. It was it's insane. And wow. uh he would just dive full force, full 
like no care at all into the crowd, like doing flips and stuff. He was go check out some of his uh late nineties ECW stuff, especially whenever he had a unbeatable reign as the television champion. He had that belt for almost two years because he was that important to the company. They just wouldn't take the belt off of him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So I remember him. He's got he had a big old ponytail. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, I think he was born in the in 1970, just like me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So where are we at? That's three right there. Right? Uh, that's three of your honorable mentions. Uh, I don't really, I don't really number them. So you just keep knocking them out, man. All righty. Uh, Terry Funk. Terry Funk. Okay. Terry You're gonna Funk. have to give me that one. I don't. <laughs> uh terry funk oh my gosh he he is actually probably the oldest wrestler on this list i actually don't i can't believe you don't know terry funk oh no i do know him yeah he just died recently yeah like this year yeah not only was he in every single major wrestling promotion that there ever was Mm -hmm. like look it up he worked Every single major promotion of wrestling that ever existed and held belts in all of them and wrestled almost semi full time well into like almost like the 2005 or six or something like that. Wow. So I remember him because he was in Roadhouse. Yes. Yes. He also was in an episode of Swamp Thing, the TV show from the. Oh, really? Yeah. (laughs) Now, it was Terry Funk's body. They clearly had overdubbed every line he said. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) With somebody else's voice. That's hilarious. So he he must have known or been a friend of Sylvester Stallone because I'm looking at it here. He's like in three or four of his movies. Yeah, uh, he kind of like, you know, people talk about, you know, oh, man, you know, Hulk Hogan, the Hollywood wrestler. But like Terry Funk kind of paved the way for all those cats. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like he just never got the the man billing that the rest of them got. He was always a henchman or the supporting bad guy or, you know. Right, right. Yeah, man, I see him here all the way going up through 20, like you were saying, 2017. Yeah. Wow, man. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. I know him. Okay, well, you got one more. Lay it out. Bam Bam Bigelow. And back to not knowing who that is. Oh, man, all right. (laughs) Bam Bam Bigelow, he's another one of those cats that worked for all the promotions. Like, he he was in, remember that movie Major Pain? Oh, yeah. Remember the biker that came up that the kids hired to fight him? Yes. I heard that you could make it in a real man's army. Mm -hmm. That was Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, I got you. Yeah, he looks familiar. He wrestled LT, the football player, at WrestleMania 11, I believe. Wow. And he made LT, who is not a wrestler, is not a worker, had very limited training. He made LT look great in that match. And that is one of the reasons why Bam Bam is one of my favorites is it did not matter 
who he was wrestling, how big, how small, how much they knew if they were a veteran or a rookie. He was able to work with everyone and make them look so good in the process. Like that's that's a true that's a that's a true wrestler. Yeah. Uh, like you, th- like you ask anybody, you know, like I-, I know a couple of guys that, you know, were, you know, curtain jerkers back in the nineties, you know, and they like, always, all right, stop, stop. Curtain jerkers. <laughs> curtain jerkers. The, uh, the first, the first, uh, match of the night, the one that, that ah, they, uh, okay. okay. like the openers. Got you. All right. Okay. I'm sorry. Please continue. <laughs> but they talked about how everybody, every like, didn't matter if you were big, didn't matter if you. Well, I said when I say big, didn't matter how famous or how indie you were, everyone wanted to work with Bam Bam. Yeah, that's awesome. And he was a legitimate hero too. Like he, uh, there was some kids trapped in a burning building, and he ran into the burning building and got like. 60% of his body covered in burns trying to get the what? kids out. Yeah. Oh wow. That's that's but, a real that's a real hero. Yeah. He was wow. uh, you know, good man. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he, it looks like he took a took a lot of beatings too. I mean, he lost a bunch of teeth when someone stepped on his his head or something in a match at the yeah, Madison Square he, Garden. He lost more matches than he won, but oh. that's just the nature of who he was, though. Yeah, yeah. Wow. All right. That's a that's a comprehensive list. I I'm digging that man. Now, mine are going to pale by comparison because mine are again. This was one I was watching him, and these are just the ones I remember. Um, everybody's going to remember these. It's a wrestling fan. Um, first is going to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. He's your first honorable mention. He's my first honorable mention. Um, okay. I just, I, I always got a kick out of how he just, just didn't give a care and a flying flipping donut, no matter what. Yeah. They throw him his beers and he'd crack them open. Um, but mostly because he was bald and so was <laughs> I. So <laughs> Already. Uh, already. Yeah. Uh, he he came in in '96, uh, uh, winning the King of the Ring tournament, uh, yep. and that's when he coined uh, Austin 316, uh, yep. making WWF WWE whatever you want to call it now, um, and just was always coming head to head with Vince McMahon. And One of was, some of the best storytelling in mm-hmm. wrestling history. Yep, yep, and of course, and like him and the Rock. Merch. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh, His the mer- T-shirts! Yeah, he's he's a six-time um, WWF champion. Um, just one of the greatest of all times. Real, uh, real quick, can you uh-huh. like can you think of another wrestler, barring Hulk Hogan, that people just went gaga over? Like, think of every time you heard that that glass break. It did oh. not matter. Where you were, that place went unglued. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Rock is the only really one you know that I could think of. Um, but that even is just he had, like you said, he had that distinctive sound when he would come out. His uh, mm-hmm. his opening thing that was uh, he was just bad, man. He was bad. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. So what's your who's your who's your uh, next honorable mention? This, well, uh, this my, is interesting. This yeah. is really interesting. <laughs> so the next one's going to be Triple H. Okay. Okay. Um, he, he joined forces with uh, Shawn Michaels to form D Generation X. That's it, DX. Mm-hmm. And again, and he, you know, I mean, he married into the family, basically. One of the know? smartest dudes in the history of the business. What? You're not kidding. Again, like you, like, I mean, we will say it's storytelling because it is, but there's a lot of athleticism. There is a lot of danger in it. Uh, yep. And he just, you know, I think his real name was Paul or is yep. Paul. Yeah. Yep. Um, he is still in the business right now. Um, employed by He's WWE. He's in charge now. Yeah. He's Chief in- content officer, head of yeah. creation, still married to Stephanie McMahon, three kids. So, so that just lets you know right there that it wasn't just a power move. Like exactly. he, they have legitimately been together for over 20 years at this point. So right, right. that wasn't, I wasn't, he didn't marry her just for the, the, the influence. He, they legitimately love each other. Yes, exactly. I couldn't have said it, said it better myself. It, it was, it, it was just like, it, like I said, it was almost like a soap opera with blood. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's just, the, the, it was so cool. So great. Um, and again, the dude was so pumped, um, mm-hmm. you know, just, just they jacked his whole life. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he did have hair, but now he does it. So I love him even more. And he had one of the best finishing moves ever. Yep. The pedigree, the pedigree. And that was, was that the one where he would jump up and with his, uh, legs around? That's no, what- that was somebody else. That's where he would put your head in between his legs and pull your arms up so you couldn't protect your head and then jump up and smash your face into the mat. Oh, okay. That is the one I was thinking of. But did he run and jump and grab his, or was it, was he up on a rope? No, no. He, he, no. he could do it just about anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I remember that now. Yeah. 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 I'll tell you somebody he probably never did that on, though. My other honorable mention, Paul White. The big show. You know what? You're you're right. Like uh, he would have needed know, a ladder and a running start. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think because here's the thing: like because of Peacock, you now can watch every wrestling episode of everything ever made. No way. And, uh, Even like yeah. the old school Andre the Giant and all uh, of those. It, if it was if it was requ- if it was filmed uh and aired yes i mean they wow. probably don't have like the old school andre the giant weekly segments but like the yeah. big shows that mm-hmm. they were requ- yeah the most definitely andre is they got all the wrestlemanias all the way from number 1 they got all like everything man just like it's all there that's so awesome i watch on a regular basis i start in 95 and go to 2003 and I'll just watch everything, all the pay-per-views, all the TV shows. That's just every couple of years, I'll just do that. I did it back whenever the it wasn't Peacock and it was just the, you know, the network, the WWE network or whatever. Uh-huh. But, but yeah, so I have watched a lot of Triple H over the past, you know, five years. And I cannot remember or recall a time that I remember him seeing the pedigree on Big Show. Hmm. Yeah, that must have been that would have been a tough one. 
Yeah. You know? Wow. And of course, he's been in some really cool movies too. Uh, Jingle All the Way, Waterboy. Um, yeah. MacGruber. Okay. Well, maybe that's not that great of a movie, but <laughs> he, he also did a lot of TV, including I'm a Still huge docking. Star Trek. Yeah. But I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And he was on Star Trek Enterprise as an Orion slaver. So they oh. they painted him green for this entire episode. Man, it was uh it was really awesome. They, it was one one of those times where you could look at it and you didn't know right away who it was, you know. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they didn't have to put any kind of uh prosthetic on his nose nope. at all. Nope. nope. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's uh that's gonna be my honorable mentions. Again, some very high level stuff. Uh, I do get into uh, all of the, you know, all of the intermixes of that time. Um, uh-huh. But I tell you what, I'm ready now. I want to jump over and hear your true number five favorite '90s wrestler, Sting. Sting, and not the rest of the police. Not the wrestler. Not the. Not the. <laughs> yeah. Not the musician. I get. Well, he wasn't. Yeah. The wrestler. Well, I said. <laughs> Stephen Borden. Yes. All right. Well, he is he's considerably re- older than I thought he was. Oh, yeah. He's retiring this year at like almost what he's in his maybe 60s. 64. Yeah. Uh, he'll be he'll be 65 in March. Yeah, he'll be retired by then. But yeah, he's this is his last year wrestling. Wow. So what is it about Sting that puts him at your number five? Well, I mean First of all, first and foremost, mad respect for somebody during the height of the WWF versus the World uh, War. He was the longest lasting standout that told Vince McMahon to go shove it. You know, like, <laughs> like no matter what Vince offered, no matter how many times he's like, no, man, go F yourself. I'm not working for you. And uh, he did eventually go to WWE, but it was one of those things that, you know, he was much older, you know, I think he was like in his like late forties or early fifties. And he just kind of was like looking at his career and he was just like, what's the one thing that I haven't done in this business? And he thought, well, the only thing that I haven't done is wrestle a big match at a WrestleMania. That's the only thing I haven't done. So he, uh, you know, I'll swallow my pride and I know he'll cash the check. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, long as the check clears. Yep. Wow, he went but, through a variety of uh of face paints too. And character developments. Mm-hmm. Like like the Sting character went through a wide range of spectrum of emotions, including you know, I know this is after the nineties, but like if you want to look at his whole career, you know, for a while he did like a Joker Sting character that was pretty entertaining you know like you would think it would be way more cringe than it ended up being because you really could tell he was just channeling heath ledger but at the same time he was adding his own like quirks and weirdness to it that i thought just worked yeah and uh but it just seemed like no matter what he did with his character whether it was the the bleach blonde you know surfer bash at the beach you know sting with the colorful face paint to the the crow hanging in the raptors stalking the nwo black and white face paint so you know what like he 
he always dove into it and he was always a consistently good wrestler. And I always, anytime a sting match was on, I knew I was at least going to watch that one. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Then he had red face paint. I could see the Joker. Uh, yeah. He had blue hair for a while. Um, kind of looks like, I guess back in the OG, it was, uh, he was kind of looked like, um, ultimate warrior. Well, that's because they were, uh, roommates and got into the business together. Ah, okay. They were a that tag would, team for sense. a while. Yeah. Yeah. Is that, was that Lex, Lex Luger was his partner for a while too, right? That was in WCW. Many, WCW. Many okay. years later, but whenever he started out him and, uh, and it's also him and Ultimate Warrior are really good examples of two people coming into the business at the exact same time and having very different mindsets. And, you know, history remembers Sting much rosier. Yeah. Wow. That's a good one, though. Yeah, I remember his, uh, you know, his because it was very simple, just just like face paint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was cool. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. All right. Well, then I will have to parry that with my number five, and it is the only female wrestler on my list. Okay. But it's a doozy, and I'm talking about Joan Marie Lauer, China. Oh, okay. Dubbed the yeah. ninth wonder of the world. Yeah. Uh, she one. was right there, you know, with uh, Generation X, with Triple A and Shawn yep. Michael. Um, one of the just, I mean, she was such a, an imposing figure. I mean, she was I, just, you know, sometimes bodybuilders, you know, they'll kind of lose that feminine shape, but she didn't. I mean, she was able to, to put the muscles on and still keep that femininity to her. Uh, she always has a special place in my heart because uh, she wanted to be the Hulk, uh, the She-Hulk yeah. at one point. And painted herself entirely green and did like uh you know a, a a video or something in an attempt to try to you know snag that role but it was just it was too 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 early the the mcu wasn't ready for that yet and um, she is the only female wrestler to ever hold a legitimate man's heavyweight title well please go tell me about that she won the Intercontinental Championship twice in WWE. Wow. And she's the only female to ever win one of the big boy belts. Wow. I had no idea. And they, she and Triple H dated if before she yes. got. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Yes. She got the raw deal out of all that. Yeah, you know it's yeah. good that I'm. I'm glad that Paul and Stephanie's love was real, and it lasted and stood the test of time. But we do have to admit that it came at the cost of China. Like she yeah. was the one that got hurt and all of that. So my heart goes out to her completely. Like, and you know she's no longer here with us anymore. So yeah, you know, rest in peace. Did you know that in the uh? in the, like 2012 to 2015 she taught english in japan yes i did i, I did not I know that to, i i'll listen to a lot i'm not gonna say who the podcast is because i'll show my hand for my top picks later ah, okay but uh you. 
but he's a really good friend of hers as well and and talked about that and yeah. uh and and talked about uh how kind she was in real life but also at the same time uh had such low self-esteem about herself you know and you know it just you know, it breaks your heart whenever you hear stuff like that but it just reminds us all that hey we're all no matter how much you see us on tv or how much money we might make you know they're still they're still human beings just like us and they yeah. have the same pains that we all have and money doesn't money and fame doesn't fix that it actually just makes it worse yeah yeah but it seems like later in her life she really found some peace um it's just a shame that you know the way she ended up passing away mm -hmm. um, you know she just had so much stacked up against her i guess uh you know it was a it was a shame but uh yeah. but she was a great wrestler and a, and a great yeah you know a great performer um, so. Well, and that said, let's move on to number fours, right? Yes, sir. Let's hear it. Speaking of entertainers, the most electrifying man in sports entertainment, number four with a bullet, The Rock. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson himself. Yep. I listened to a stand-up comedian just today that was talking about The Rock. And uh, he was talking about how people are so impressed and are so shocked on how good of an actor The Rock is. And he's like, are you kidding me? Do you remember <laughs> what The Rock's job used to be? He used to go out on a nightly basis in his underwear, tidy whities yep. down to a ring and fight somebody. And then after he's been punched in the face three or four times for real, would just pick up a microphone and give us a 30-minute improv <laughs> of pure comedic gold. Yes. Screw you, Meryl Streep, with your lines you had to learn the night before. <laughs> and had cue cards. And he said, oh, yeah, and by the way, you keep calling him The Rock. That's not his name. That's the character he played 30 years ago that you're still called. Of course, he's a great actor. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you know, even to this day, I mean, he's still making money, making movies, you know, entertaining. He'll show up every once in a while at a match. Um, just, he's, uh, like you said, electrifying. I'm telling you this. You talk about money. I don't care what name that me or you throw out on this list. He's making more money than all of them. Oh yeah. Oh, I have no doubt. I mean, just you know, just the, the just what he's made already. Yeah. You know, not even compared to the stuff he's still making. I mean, and yeah. let's you know, we we've spoken about his you know promos and his ability, but like he was also a really good wrestler, like yeah. a really good worker. Like, because you got to remember. His dad was a wrestler. His grandfather was a wrestler. His daughter is a wrestler. I'm pretty sure his grandchild's going to be a wrestler. You know, yeah. like that is what they do. Some people work coal. Some people farm. Some people cattle. The Johnsons wrestled. Right. Right. And now he's living off of that. Yep. Though it's not like he's sitting around either. It he ain't got to do it ever again, but he'll do it anytime he wants to. And please want to whenever you want. <laughs> That's true. 
All right. Well, my number four is pretty electrifying himself. As a matter of fact, his his shirt, his logo has lightning bolts on it. Mm. And I am talking about the man himself, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, now nice. I will not lie. A huge component of Roddy Piper being on this list is because of his starring role in John Carpenter's They Live. Yeah, Just I mean, love, love that film, that 20 something minute brawl in the streets with Keith David, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the fact that he would would wrestle in a kilt. I mean, yeah, something else. And he's also the only wrestler that had the wherewithal and smarts to never let Hulk Hogan pin him. Yeah. <laughs> wow. He wouldn't do it. Wouldn't he's do like, it, huh? You can beat me through count out, disqualification, choke me out. You're not pinning me. That's, nope. I did not know that. And whenever he would be, whenever, you know, Hulk was like, come on, brother. I'd do it for you. He's like, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) Don't you try to lie. I've been watching you our whole careers, dude. (laughs) Go ask Ultimate Warrior if you'll do it for him another time. Right, right. (laughs) Oh, man. The masked Canadian himself. (laughs) Oh, that's... (laughs) That's something else. But I did, uh, when I was reading a little bit about this, um, the whole reason, because, you know, I always kind of wondered why. It's because early on, he was billed as coming from Glasgow. And that's why I had the kilt and the bagpipe. Um, But, of course, he was from Saskatchewan. Yeah. um, Yeah. And then I read a story early in his, his career when he was with the National Wrestling Alliance, where... He would piss off a, some a Mexican wrestler uh, by always like throwing uh, insults at him, and then yep. he promised to repent by doing the national anthem on his bagpipes, but yep. played like Hukaracha instead. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh. And so, and then he ended up losing a match where he had to um, shave his head. Yeah. So that was that was that was some fun stuff, you know. Dedication to the craft. Yeah, but again, for me, man, you know, f- crossing over and doing they live is just so much fun, you know. Um, but anyway, sadly, we lost him in 2015 um, yep. by a heart attack. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you know, he had a had a great life. Did a lot of uh, voice acting. Um, did video on, games it's always sunny in philadelphia yep yep you know um so anyway it was it's it's, it's gonna definitely be one of my favorites again he started early in the 80s um <laughs> um he was in one of city Lauper's music videos from goonies oh, oh yeah i remember i yeah, remember yeah. that she loved some wrestlers though because she had uh what was his name captain lou albino yep yep yeah, that, uh, was lou her, albino. that was her dude yeah, that, yeah, that's oh. what they got her for the first WrestleMania, and that was part of the thing that Mr. T that kind of solidified the WWF as being the the contenders for. Yeah, you know, we've got the MTV generation. Wow, well, that's awesome! One, I really enjoyed that. So, let's click it back over to you and give us your number three. 
my number three, solid number three, The Undertaker. Oh, that's a good one. The Undertaker, like, there is not a single person that you can say The Undertaker and you, you can tell what year they were born by the image that pops into their head. If you were born before X year, you say the word Undertaker, it don't matter. That image of that guy walking down the rampway pops into your mind. Yes. Yeah, dude was six foot 10, 309 pounds. Yep. My God. And then the thing he could do with his eyes. Yes. And like, you know, Mark Calloway, that's his real name, um, was more than just like another wrestler backstage, you know, like by the late 90s, he was the godfather of backstage. Yeah. Like if wrestlers had problems with each other or if there was anything, he was the guy that stepped in and was judge and jury. That was like, what happened? What did they say? What did he say? All right, you're in the wrong. You need to make up wow. for it right now. Yeah. I did not know that. I just thought he stood around with his eyes rolled backwards. No, he was uh he was the guy that and like not only that, like uh, he was Mr. McMahon's dude. Like he really? was, they were, they were backstage best buddies. Like Mr. McMahon is going to make sure that Mark Calloway is well taken care of all the way until the day he passes, because that was his guy. Yeah. That was his attack dog. Tell you a little story about the undertaker and Mark Calloway and his loyalty, blind loyalty for Mr. McMahon. This was a story that I heard both him and Kurt Angle say in two separate interviews, and they matched up pretty well, so I know it's probably the truth. Okay. Uh, they were in Europe wrestling, and there was an accident in his match where a part of his ear got ripped off. Damn. And it was one of those things that Vince was like, if we jump in the jet right now and head back to New York, we can get to the plastic surgeon within 12 hours and we can get this thing fixed and it'll be like it never happened. Don't worry, we'll take care of you type thing, you know. So they load up the jet. Undertaker's got, you know, his medical staff there and they've got him doped up, you know, trying to get him just across the pond on this plane. And it's a 12-hour flight, you know, so he's just kind of in and out of consciousness the whole time. But the rest of Vince and the other wrestlers are drinking and having a good time on the plane. Okay. Well, Kurt Angle is there, the uh, Olympian, the gold medalist winner. And uh, Vince, a little tipsy, talks about how he thinks that he can take Kurt in a real wrestling match. And so <laughs> they start you know, jokingly wrestling in the aisle of the, uh, of the plane. And while it's happening, Kurt is getting the best of Vince because not only is he an Olympian, you know, Vince is drunk. So he's easily overpowering him. Right. Well, the undertaker has been coming in and out of consciousness this whole time. And one of the times that he wakes up from consciousness, he looks down and sees Kurt Angle on top of Vince McMahon in a wrestling hold. 
So instinctively, without even thinking, just gets up no. and starts choking out Kurt Angle. And like, like the doctors and even Vince, like, stop, stop, stop. It's just a joke. It's just a joke. But like, he didn't care. He saw his oh music God. getting hurt and said, nope, <laughs> go to sleep. Oh, my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> Wow. Well, I don't have any cool stories like that for my number two, but uh, my number three, three. but uh, um, I think you might. Um, he's been known by several different names, such as the Funky Dude Love, yeah, Fearsome Cactus Jack, but yep. we all know him as Mankind, Mick yep. Foley. Yep. This dude um, is, the, he's the only wrestler on this list that I've ever met. Uh, he was at a show here in 2022, I think. Um, and just such a nice guy, huge guy, but just literally a gentle, gentle giant. Um, he would reinvent himself all, you know, all the time. Um, he was made famous, I think probably by with, with Socko because everybody would think he was kind of, he was crazy, but yep. he get these hardcore matches, uh, the, Hell in the Cell um, with Undertaker. With Undertaker, yeah, and he'd also three, go up against uh, Triple H, and <laughs> um, just I mean, was totally always reinventing himself. But it always came down that Mick Foley, the real Mick Foley, was just such a nice guy. Is such a nice guy. Now, you're putting me in a really tough spot here, man. Yeah, all right. Put me in a, because I kind of need to say pass right now. Okay, that's I'm I'm good with that. I'm all right, I'll that. uh, I, I, it'll become clear later. All right, all right. Well, sounds good. Well, then let's let's jump right over to your your penultimate choice, your number, number two. two, because I paid five dollars for that word and I have to use it every episode. Or I feel like I've wasted my money. Um, number two, you mentioned him already. Stone Cold Steve Austin, baby. What? Let's stop open a beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I said about him, but the last one, just apply it to that. I mean, like, I can't think of another wrestler more over than Steve Austin. Like, I, I even more than Hulk. Like, yeah. because. Hulk's reputation diminished the longer he's been alive. And uh, Stone Cold's reputation has stayed the Stone Cold. I will kick your ass if I have to. Like, <laughs> he's, he's just as beloved as he ever was. Yes. Now, didn't he, have a, didn't he have a, a movie? Stone I mean, he Cold. Was in, it was like he called was Stone the, Cold, right? He was in The Expendables. I remember that. I want to say there was a movie with him in it. Um. Oh, okay. Well, this is this is confusing. It was a movie called Stone Cold, but it was starring Brian Bosworth. Okay. Okay. That's and what they I'm just thinking got of. Stone Cold uh, cameo in it, I guess. I, I don't know. Uh, wow. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so my number two is just. Okay, again, we, we talk about wrestlers here. We're not talking about, you know, who the people are or whatever, because this guy's had some bad press. And uh, but 
in the eighties and in the nineties, if you didn't love Hulk Hogan, you just weren't doing it right, baby. You're you're right. You're like I mean, God, Monday Night Wars between WWF and WCW. He was the uh, only thing keeping WCW in the fight. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it, he his, always had that same iconic look. Oh, you know, he was one person who pretty much from the beginning, this is who he was and didn't have to change. The only thing he ever changed was the yellow and the yellow and red yep. to the black and white. Yep. This is true. This is true. Man, and talk about he spun his career off into some movies. Um, Abraxas, Mr. Nanny, um, I mean, Suburban Commando. Yeah, let's be real. Hulk did it all. Like yes. he did, he did movies, albums, TV shows. Like, 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 I can't think. There's nothing in the pop culture world that Hulk didn't get all up in. Right. Right. Just nothing. So he was something else still, you know, still doing it. He, he had his own TV show for a long time. Yeah. Um, with his kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, didn't I hear from him for a little it. while. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just so much fun. Uh, was always, well, I shouldn't say always because they all had a little villainous turn, but he used to always be the good guy, though he he loved himself so much. Uh, yeah so much that if you didn't love him that was okay because he loved himself oh yeah and you want to talk about merchandise hulkamania was mm -hmm. everywhere you couldn't you couldn't go to the mall without seeing his t-shirts no you she couldn't go anywhere without seeing something hulkamania related yep. yeah he's he's he was a great great wrestler and uh, uh a lot of fun to see up on the screen so all right. Well, that means that we have gotten now down to your favorite 90s wrestler of all times. And yep. I'm ready for you to, to let's let's get ready to rumble with our favorites. My pick for my favorite wrestler of all time. And not only is he my favorite wrestler of all time. But he is somebody that I model myself after as a human being and as a man that if I can be just a fraction of what he is, I will be happy. And that is, like you said, Mick Foley. Yeah. Mick Foley has been my favorite wrestler since I turned like the first time I turned. I remember it so well. The first time I turned on the TV and turned on wrestling, it was Mankind versus the British Bulldog in, like, 1996. Wow. And it was, I remember the thing about Mick that immediately struck me, that I was like, oh, my gosh, this guy looks like all my uncles. You know, really? Like, <laughs> like he, he doesn't look like the bodybuilder wrestler guy. He looks yes. like a real dude. Like a lumberjack. Fighting these dudes like every Mick Foley match, with the exception of the dude love matches, because that was its own thing. But every Mick Foley match that you watched, there was always a moment that you could completely suspend all your disbelief and think that this guy's fighting this dude. Yeah, this yeah. guy is trying to hurt this guy. 
and bleeding. And oh my God, this dude just hurt himself trying to hurt this guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I, uh, I listen, he's the I listen. He was the guy I was talking about. I listen to his podcast every week, and I love hearing his stories and his take on it. Because he talked about like, you know, some of the best feelings he's ever gotten after a match were in front of five, six hundred people. You know, really? like and that someone that no one would ever remember it, but just the the getting the crowd to believe everything that they were doing and to be scared of him and just like, and as you know, because I was back during his cactus Jack days where he had to make everybody scared of him. And as you know, he's a huge teddy bear, which is just not, you know, who he is, but just his ability to put his body on the line every night for our entertainment. And not only that, but like you said, he's just a good man. Like everybody that knows him, that's the number one thing they all say is like Mick is one of the nicest, most genuine dudes that I've ever met. Yeah. And there needs to be more men like him. And that, like I said, he's who I want to be when I grow yeah. up. I want to be Mick Foley. Yeah, he is just, I mean, it's funny to, to say that, but he's, he's a sweetheart. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he was just so nice to talk to, so genuine with everybody who was in front of me, just took his time with everybody. And uh, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. That's a that's a great pick as a favorite. Yeah. Um, you, you want somebody like that that you can look up to, you know. Um, so funny enough, we've also talked about my favorite. And it is Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I, that was who, for me, was the most electrifying wrestler of all that period that I was watching. Uh, you know, my wife and I, we would go to the the Lafayette Cajun Dome. Like I said, I think we saw it like at least twice. He was there both times, uh, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, you could smell what the rock is cooking. Some of the yeah. like most memorable one-liners ever. Yes, he did. And, like, and he, and he takes- performed them. Yeah. You know, just amazing and just made you want to get excited and want to be a part of what was going on there. Um, not even talking about the fact uh, of all of the movies, um, including his uh, crossover into acting, which was another Star Trek episode. He was on an episode of Voyager where he played, you know, he played an alien wrestler. Of course. Of <laughs> course. He, Why wouldn't he? He got to wrestle um, Jerry, Jerry Ryan. Um, so just one more reason I, would want to be the rock <laughs> i have a question for you yes sir what's your favorite rock promo oh you smell what the rock is cooking no but like like uh, yeah that's that's a catchphrase i'm talking oh, okay. about like whenever he'd get on the mic and he would tear somebody down like whatever is there like a particular oh. term that he got up there and did or said something that just had you rolling for me I want to say there was one with Triple H. God, because they were both there that night. I didn't, I don't believe we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin when either time when he came. 
but I want to say, oh man, no, you're going to put me on the spot. I don't, I don't remember any of, but I want to say it was, it was against Triple H because that, <laughs> I remember that was late, that relationship. And it was just so like, you know, when he'd raise his eyebrow up, you know, and just start, you know, trash talking people. It was, it was do you have a favorite? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Lay it my, on us. My favorite rock promo was the Billy Gunn promo he did where he's, uh, he's talking, you know, he's, he's talking down Billy Gunn and he's like, and Billy, you'll drop on your knees and start praying to God. And God himself will come down through the clouds and say, listen here, Bob, but my name's Billy. It doesn't matter <laughs> what your name is. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> wow. And of all the wrestlers, he is definitely the one, um, that, like we talked about earlier, the, the biggest crossover into, into Hollywood and into other pop culture um, in general culture. yeah you know he's on instagram all the time uh i mean he's he's making videos with oprah he's just you know out Buying there people's groceries and stuff mm -hmm. like just just seems like a really really nice dude made a lot of fun movies um, i'm actually working a list right now uh with someone to do uh Dwayne Johnson movies and you sit down and watch them. And I've got to say that not, there hasn't been one movie that wasn't fun. Yeah. You know? Okay. Sure. We're not, you know, seeing any, not that I really dig those, but any Oscar award winning movies, but yeah. every movie has delivered the fun. Because he knows what he's good at and he's good at delivering that. And he plays to those strengths for yep. sure. You know, uh, I really enjoyed that um, Hobbs and Shaw Fast and Furious movie. Yes. Unbelievable movie. I mean, come on, seriously. But it was so much fun. Oh, yeah. You know? And so pretty much anything he comes out with, uh, I'm going to watch. Um, another one of the favorites, I don't know if you've seen it, is the, the Disney's Jungle Cruise. I yes. Mean, it was so much fun. He was so good at that. <laughs> I think we went to go see that in the theaters with the kids. And yeah, that was a really fun movie. Yeah. I mean, really he, he kind of plays the same character every time, like we said, you know, but he plays it well every time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I could definitely, you know, get behind many, many more uh, of his movies. And him so. and Mick are best friends. So he's got to be some type of a genuinely awesome guy because, you know. Mick ain't friends with uh with trash. Yeah, and I'm exactly. gonna tell you this: th this is a bucket list item of mine. I swear, before I die, I am going to make Mick Foley a personal friend of mine. <laughs> I've made a mission in my life. Wow. Well, you know, my my a buddy of mine, Damon Pelican, uh, he's a comic book artist. Uh, when that con was was here, he took a uh, blank comic cover and did a comic of um mitch drinking uh of mick drinking some milk and <laughs> brought it to him and man just he was just so nice with him and just went on and on about how much he liked it and you know it was again truly genuine guy so i don't think you have to try too hard to make him your friend well you know i've got a uh i've got a wrestling script that i wrote uh last year year before last 
And I wrote a part in that movie specifically with him in mind. Oh, and yeah. whenever the time comes to make that movie, I am going to make every effort I can between me and the distribution company to try to reach out to his manager, Barry, and try to get him on at least for like a little two-day shoot cameo. That would be awesome. Was he in that peanut butter Falcon? Oh, was, there, there was there were some wrestlers in that. I don't remember who it was. I want to say yes, because I know he's done a lot of stuff. I'm not as familiar with his film body of work as I should be, to be honest with you. Um, you know, for someone who's such a huge fan of his, I kind of just stick to his books and his wrestling because I know those are the things that he's the proudest of you know yeah. i know he gets very involved in everything that he does and wants you know even in the editing of stuff which is good you know um but like yeah i'm not as familiar with his uh his videography uh portfolio as i should be which is strange since i'm a filmmaker but you know yeah well we all... put you on the spot there there's been a lot of a lot of good ones out there um I was trying to look it up real quick to see if it was him. I know there were a couple people. Maybe it was him. Who knows? Somebody out there knows, and they'll tell me in the comments, I'm sure. Um, (laughs) Well, all right, man. This was so awesome. I had such fun going back and looking back over and remembering all of these different characters and, and real people as well. And, yes, Mick Foley was in Peanut Butter Falcon. All right. Jacob. So there we go. Okay. There we go. I'm not I'm not crazy in this instance. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Mitch, I, I just I want to say thank you so much for coming on. And I, I just wish you all the best with the bog man. And what's this next one called? Spirits of the Sea of Madness. Sea of Madness. That sounds like a cool movie. I'm not gonna lie. That sounds like a cool movie. So I definitely want to know when that one's working and we'll have to get together and you bring it to the Lake Charles film festival. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be next, the next one that we do down there. It's going to be there. Uh, Cause we have uh, nine movies planned out to do wow. with green apple entertainment. And they're all going to be in what I call the BCU, the bog creature universe. Sweet. And so sea of madness is number two of nine. And I love how got, you're doing that. You know, not it's they're not going to be another bog creature, but they're still in that same universe. Yep. Because the goal is kind of, you know, I, I got no problem. Uh, what do we call them? Spoilers. I got no problem giving spoilers um, because it just keeps you interested in wanting to see the final product. But we're going to do a different creature every every movie. It's going to be the same characters from the documentary crew. It's going to be the tying in of all the movies. Wow. But we're we're all leading it up to the final movie being called The Bog Men, which Ooh. is where all of these creatures and cryptids that these people have been capturing and trying to stop all get released out into the same uh mountain bend forest as the bog man and they're having to go back out and try to catch re-catch all these creatures and the bog man decides to help the humans wow cool i like that man i like that i can't wait to see it all right well i again want to thank you so much for taking the time man this has has been a lot of fun and you've you've 
So I always like having guests on there who know more about the subject than I do because <laughs> I always learn something from it. So thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you uh, for having me. I really and really enjoy doing stuff like this. Awesome. And to all of you out there in the podcast universe, thank you for listening to this episode of Faith Five from Fans. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please leave us a rating review on your favorite podcast app. It's a free way you can help grow the plastic microphone studios if you like the show please consider telling a friend about us and if you don't like the show please consider telling someone you don't like you know maybe somebody who was a fan of i don't know the iron chic boo uh, <laughs> we'd also invite you to interact with us on twitter slash x at fave five from fans using the number five New episodes come out every Friday, so be sure to subscribe and follow us so you can catch all of the episodes. And don't forget to look for our other show, Complete Disarray with Jamie Ray, where we take one topic and just ramble on and on and on about it, but really in a good way. And remember, folks, it may not be the best. It may not be the most popular, but if it's your favorite, then it's good enough for us. Thanks so much for joining us. Mitch, take us out. Hey, everybody. Don't ever quit. Whatever you do in the world, you only are a loser and a quitter if you give up. No matter what happens, get back up and keep going. Powerful stuff, man. Thank you. Y'all have a great night. Love y'all.